Well, today we begin uh, week three of our sermon series, This Is Us. We started the beginning of May, and uh, I know uh, we talked about this uh, title here. It's a popular show that's on television nowadays. How many of you, again, you watch the show, right? And uh, I told you week one when, we, when you were here, if you were here, that um, I'm always confused by the fact that we watch shows like this because they always seem to end on such a really serious, heavy note. Remember that? My wife's usually crying, and then I'm usually trying to figure out uh, you know, why we, why we watch shows that just make us feel this way. And uh, last week, Pastor John preached the Mother's Day message, and he started by telling you that I had created a spreadsheet, remember that, to try to figure out why people feel the way that they do about these shows. Uh, but I'm here to tell you today that John Crawl, Pastor John Crawl, has not watched one episode of This Is Us. And I have seen every single episode. So I don't think that's very fair, and we have... So what we did is we actually started a GoFundMe page, okay? Um, And so what we're going to do is we're going to buy him a subscription to either Hulu or Netflix so that he can catch up. Don't you think that's fair? All right, so just so you know that. But if you're new to Shepherd's Gate, this is your first Sunday here. We're so glad to have you here again if you're watching online, whether it's the live stream or later tonight or this week. We're so glad that you're joining us. And uh, really the, the, the purpose of this series is for us each and every week to talk about what it is that we believe as a church. Because what we believe, teach, and confess is important. And it's important that we understand what we believe, teach, and confess. Oftentimes people will say, well, you know, there's all these differences in in opinions and doctrine and theology and all those things. And, you know, all that doesn't really matter. All that really matters is that we believe in Jesus. And so I get the heart behind that. I kind of get the idea behind that, especially when there's just so many different ways to maybe interpret different scriptures. But here at Shepherd's Gate, we are very serious about what we believe as a church. And it starts with this. It starts with our belief of God's word. And we talked about this week one, but it's worth saying again that we believe everything that we need for life is found in the pages of Scripture. That this is our final authority for how we live our lives. In fact, we go to the Word of God and we allow it to dictate how we live. And we go to the Word of God for everything that we need. And if there's things in the Word of God that we don't fully understand, if God speaks it, we believe it. And we believe it by faith. And so today, again, we're going to look at a very important topic for us as a church. It's the power of the gospel. And what you believe about the gospel actually determines the way that you live, the way that you approach your Christian walk and your Christian Christian life. And so maybe you're wondering, well, what's the gospel? The gospel is what saves us, but here, it's also what chooses us. All right, I want to say it again. The gospel is what saves us, but it's also what chooses us. The word gospel is a translation of a Greek word, because the New Testament of the Bible is written in Greek, that means an announcement of good news. And here's the good news for you and for me, is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, for us. The simplest gospel message, right? That God created man and woman, Adam and Eve, he puts them in the garden, he tells them they can have the whole garden, just don't eat from the one tree, but what do they do? They eat from the one tree, they bring sin into the world, and so all of us have been born into sin, all of us have been plagued with sin, in fact, we deal with sin all day long. But here's the amazing part, God chose not to leave us in that state, in that condition. In fact, he saw the condition that we were in, and he chose to send his one and only son 
born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, to ultimately die on the cross for our sins, that we could have life not only here and now, but eternal life with God forever. That's the gospel. That's what we believe. But here's the, here's the other part of this. We don't get to choose this. God actually chooses this for us. In fact, every single one of us in this room, God did all of this before any of us were even born. That while we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us. You see, yesterday we got to celebrate our confirmation service and our students, one by one, they came up here and they professed faith. I mean, they had incredible statements of faith that they made. One of my favorite services of the year and our, our sound guy, our tech guy here on staff, Kurt Perkins, he said to me, he said, you know, you're, you started your 15th year here at Shepherd's Gate, and isn't it kind of funny that these students, none of them were even born when you started here at Shepherd's Gate. <laughs> I was like, thank you for those encouraging words. But think about it, it's true that God would orchestrate the events of human history, that I would be here, that they would be here, that we would see them um, declare the faith, the seed of faith that was planted in their hearts in their baptisms. And so we're going to be looking at that today. And I want us to look at uh, a passage of scripture. Paul, who was radically saved by God, uh, wrote these words. It's going to be on page, here, I've got to get the page here, 976, Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to see how this plays out in scripture. If you have your own Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1, if you have a Bible app on your phone, you're uh, certainly welcome to use that. Just got to get to it. There we go, 976, Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 6. Here it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he, what does it say? Think about that. In him before the foundation of the world. You and I were chosen before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of, look at it, it's his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. I want you to think about that. Well, what does it mean that God has chosen us or in this passage that he's predestined us? And it all goes back to our belief of the gospel. See, there's teachings out there and there's people that would say, well, really the gospel is, you know, you have to do good works. And so in order to be a good Christian, you need to go and you need to do all these things and you kind of need to kind of participate in your salvation. And so there's all these things that you should do. You should try to really live a good life. So you try really hard to not sin. You try to defeat the sins in your life. You try to make sure that you check off all the religious duties. So make sure you go to church and you read your Bible and you pray and you do this and you do that and you give and you serve and you do all of these things. And so by doing that, that maybe just maybe God will look down from heaven and he'll be pleased at you by what you're doing. And then one day when you die, he'll let you come in to heaven with him. And here's the... <laughs> Not only does Bob not believe that, the Bible, I want you to see how God ever actually tells us that's not the correct idea when it comes to our salvation. This is what 
It says in God's word. It says this. Uh, you can see here, for the, the gospel by the power of God, it's God's power, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works. It's not because of our works. Uh, Paul, who also wrote Ephesians, the second chapter, it says this in 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift that God gives you, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. No one can go back and say, well, look at all the things that I did. And so oftentimes you'll hear people say, well, what's the secret to being a Christian? What's the secret to you know, uh, being in heaven one day? And they'll say, well, as long as I'm a good person, as long as I do the things that I'm supposed to do, that's not the way it works. In fact, none of us are good people. We're fallen sinful people. And it was because God has chosen us because he has given us his salvation that we have life in him. I'll tell you the other thing that, that sometimes people fall into, and it's, it's, it's the emotional response to the gospel, where people think that our emotions are somehow tied to our salvation. And there's actually teachings out there about this as well. And so it depends on how I feel. And so I have to have like this charismatic or I have to have like this you know, experience in order to be saved. And if I don't feel God, then I must not be saved. If I don't feel God, then, then God must be, not be happy with me. And so I need to start doing a bunch of religious activities like praying and going to church and singing worship songs or go and do something that's gonna put me on this spiritual mountaintop because then I'll know that I, my salvation is secure again, that I'm part of God's family. And see, that's a very dangerous place to be. We do not base our salvation on how we feel. We base our salvation on what the word of God declares over our lives for you and for me. We gotta understand that. I mean, think of that show, This Is Us, right? Think of emotional roller coaster that you go on when you're watching that show. Think about how the reason we watch those shows is because it's truly about life. And so many of us, we can relate to different characters in this story, there's different things that happen that, that it pierces our hearts and our emotions. But we never base what we believe on how we feel. We, believe, we base it based on the word of God. And this last one, and there, there's some debate about this, there's this last one too, is oftentimes people will say, well, you know what, it's based on my ability to reason and to use my intelligence to come to God. And so there's people that'll say, okay, well, what, you know, I'm kind of an engineering mind or you know, I have to study things and I have to have all the facts and so I'm gonna study all the religions of the world, I'm gonna study all the different branches of Christianity and I'm gonna do all this data, all this research and by the end, I will come to the conclusion, I will decide what I believe and I'll decide that Christianity is right for me. I'll decide that Jesus is right for me. But yet the Bible says you don't choose God. He chooses you. And the fact that he chose you before this world was ever created is the amazing part of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel, that he's already chosen you, that he knew that you would be in this church today, that he knew that you would come to faith, whatever that was on your journey. All of these new members that we saw that all have different stories. Maybe it was in their baptism. Maybe it was later on in their life when they heard the gospel and they responded to the gospel that's what God has called us to do. And so you might be asking yourself this morning, well, how do we answer this question? How do we answer this question? What does it mean to be chosen? And so this is what our church believes. This is what we believe about the gospel. That we believe that we cannot, by our own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ our Lord or come to him. Follow me here. It's the Holy Spirit who calls us by the gospel. He enlightens us with his gifts. He sanctifies and keeps us in the true faith. 
In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth. He's the one that calls all men to himself. And he keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all of our sins and the sins of all believers. He's the one who brings us to faith. We're a dead corpse, you know that? And God is the one who breathes his life into us and he gives us the power through his gospel. And these are encouraging words for us this morning. This is why I want you to be encouraged today because you don't have to try to figure God out. He has given you everything that you need in his word for salvation. Everything that you need is found in God's word to us, the Bible. Everything that we need for life is found in the pages of scripture. And so those are encouraging words that we don't have to work at this or that we don't have to engage our emotions or even rely on our own intelligence. His ways are higher than ours. And not only does the choice of God bring us peace, but it keeps us from giving credit where credit is due. And all of the credit belongs to Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. God is the one who chose to come down to this world. He became flesh and he dwelt among us. He died for us. He chose us because of his grace and mercy. And so now we put our hope in him. We respond to him. We respond to him in our singing. We respond to him in our worship. We respond to him out of the gratitude of what he has done for us. And it's kind of interesting when you think of all the choices that we actually have in life, right? This is so hard for us because we want to be able to choose God. We want to be able to kind of control our destinies. We talk a lot about this here at Shepherd's Gate. But guess what? God gets to decide the big things. We get to decide the little things. Amen, right? Uh, Think about it. Um, I was talking to the students yesterday at the confirmation service, and I said, isn't it crazy that God didn't allow you to pick your parents? And they were like, you know, I said, wouldn't it have been cool if God would have created this system where you could have sat down and interviewed different couples, right? <laughs> and you could say, okay, what is it that you do for a living? And um, how good are you with managing your money? And how much of my college are you going to pay for? And what kind of house and lifestyle are you going to provide for me? I mean, wouldn't that be cool, right? That's not how it worked. They didn't get to choose their parents. Their, their parents are like, here, God, this is who's, God said these, these are the people that are gonna raise you. Same thing with those of us that have kids, right? We didn't get to choose our kids, amen? <laughs> Man, you, they, they just show up. <laughs> and you're like, what is with this attitude? What is with this personality? Who are you? Where did you come from? How are you my kid? God orchestrated all of those events, all of those things. It's kind of funny, my son came home uh, from school a couple weeks ago and uh, he said something to my wife and then my wife said to me, she said, hey, you're not gonna believe this, uh, but Henry, your first grader, uh, he signed you up to be the head coach of his baseball team. (laughs) I said, I said, what? I said, I don't know how to coach baseball. I'm like, I haven't played baseball since I was a kid. I'm like, there's no way. I was like, why did he do that? She said, I don't know, but he gave the administrator your email and your cell phone, so you should expect a call this week. I said, this is crazy. I said, you know my work schedule. I mean, my hours are all over the board. I don't know when I'm going to be meeting with people. Things come up, all this and that. And uh, she just looked at me in her loving way, and she said, oh, you you can choose to not be his coach. but you are gonna have one very upset little boy and you're gonna have to tell him that. 
So guess what happened? <laughs> I am the head coach of the baseball team, <laughs> right? <laughs> so this is what I did, okay? Uh, I figured since I was chosen, I should share this blessing with another father. Um, <laughs> So I looked at the roster and I found, I found one of our students uh, here at Shepherd's Gate. Uh, he goes to the same school as Henry does uh, and his dad goes to this church and our, our sons play often together. And so he was actually at our house uh, on a play date together and I said, hey, guess what? I said, you're not going to believe this, but your dad is going to help me coach a baseball team. <laughs> so now we co-coach this baseball team, all right? But that's how it is, right? There's so many things that we don't really truly get to choose in this life. God lets us make all the small decisions, but the big decisions, we can trust and we can rely on his wisdom and his strength and be grateful for what he does. And you might be saying, well, wait a second here. Well, can't people reject the gospel? Yeah, they can certainly reject the gospel, but you just don't choose the gospel. And uh, we were trying to figure out, like, how do, you, how do you, you know, describe this whole thing? And so John Crawl gave me an analogy this week that he always uses when he's trying to explain this kind of hard concept uh, for our human minds to understand. He said it's kind of like a couple when they get engaged, which now, you know how it's like, it's really a major production nowadays, right? I mean, there, there's a lot of thought that goes into um, getting engaged. But historically, what, the way it's been in our culture is the guy tries his best to get the ring and to surprise the girl, amen, right? Say, many of you did this. And so you get there, and the guy's usually all nervous, and uh, he's not even sure if, you know, there's always, that, there's always that little bit of doubt. Is she really going to say yes? But what does he do? And he tries to set something up, whether it's in a park or at a dinner, whatever the case may be, and he gets down on one knee, and he presents her that ring, and he says, the, he says these words, will you marry me? And what does she do at that point? What are her options? Really, honestly, it's... It's either this or you reject it. And all of us have the ability to reject God and to walk away from our faith. But that is not what God has for us. He's constantly calling us back to himself. He's constantly working in our lives. And one of the other things we believe here at Shepherd's Gate is that scripture interprets scripture. And so I want you to see some other scriptures uh, written by Paul, who is, who is our main text this morning in Ephesians chapter one. But I want you to see how he's just driving this point home so that we don't miss it. It's like being on a loudspeaker. Where he's just constantly telling us, I want you to understand how you were chosen by me. In Colossians, he put it this way, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, all of these attributes we get to put on as followers of Jesus because he's already chosen us. In Ephesians chapter two, it says this, or in uh, Thessalonians, it says this, uh, that we should give thanks to God because we are beloved by the Lord because God chose us as the first fruits to be saved. And he does this through the sanctification of his spirit, by the spirit and belief in the truth. Peter, who was one of Jesus' disciples, one of his closest followers, who saw him day in and day out, this is what he said in his account, but you are a chosen people. Think about that. Think of the strength that comes from that. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, which is what God did for each and every one of us who have faith in him. And Jesus, in his own words, as he turned to the disciples, he said these words in the Gospel of John. He said this, you did not choose me, 
but I chose you. He chooses us. He does the work on our behalf, and we just get to sit back and be grateful at the work that he has done for us and with us. One of our practices uh, in our home uh, every night when, uh, with our kids is to, to uh, um, ask them how their day went. And, and I think we just live in a society where it just seems like we're always on to the next thing. Did you notice that? It's always like, well, what's next, what's next, what's next? Like we never actually just take time to sit, hit the pause button and look back and to see all of the incredible things that God has done. And so one of our practices at night is we always ask our kids, tell us one thing that happened today, one thing that was like your favorite part of the day. And really, it's just trying to get our kids to look back and reflect on the day instead of always thinking about what's ahead for the following day and week and month and so on. And so they say these words. And one of the things that we say to our kids every single night, I always say to my boys, I say, I just want you to know before you go to bed tonight, there is nothing that you could do to make me love you anymore. There's nothing you could do. And I also say this, and I want you to know there's nothing that you could do to make God love you anymore. He is completely satisfied with you. He has done everything for you. And the reason that I say those words, the reason that we say that every night, because it goes back to our view of the gospel, that they understand that God has him in, in, their, in his hands. And we're not waiting for, for some day when they're at an age of accountability or any of those things to come to faith, that God has planted his seed of faith in their heart, in their baptisms, and that he's continuing to watch over and lead and guide them. And the other interesting thing, and we've been doing this since they were born, we always sing the same closing song every night before bed, and it's this song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the, for the Bible tells me so. And I'm so glad to be part of a church that is not ashamed or afraid, but we can boldly declare what we believe because this is us. This is us. We believe this to be true, and God is calling people to faith. He is the one that's going to continue to do his work, and we get to stand back and be amazed as he continues to call people to faith, and he continues to call people to be part of our church here at Shepherd's Gate. Amen? Amen. Amen. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? And if you're new to Shepherd's Gate, this is just a time where we bow our heads, we close our eyes, where we prepare our hearts to receive something we do frequently here at Shepherd's Gate, which is receive Holy Communion. And see, we believe that in Holy Communion, Christ is present in, with, and under the bread and the wine because he said, this is my body, this is my blood. But before we do that, if you're here this morning and maybe you don't know, maybe you're wondering, do I have faith? I would encourage you this morning, you have heard the gospel it's been presented to you through God's word, so examine your heart and receive this incredible gift that God has for you today. And for all of us now, as our heads are bowed, as our eyes are closed, as we move into a time of confessing our sins to the Lord, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bring to mind those things that have kept us from you. So now let's confess our sins to him. This morning, we thank you, God, that you have heard our confessions and that because of who Jesus Christ is and what he has already done for us, that you forgive us of all of our sins once again and that you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this morning, congregation, hear this. Your God has heard your confession and he does forgive you of your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
You see, it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this, remembering me. The same way after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to the disciples and said, take, drink, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. It's given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink of it, remembering me. And so we come now and we receive his grace and his mercy and this incredible gift that he gives us in this meal.